Welcome to the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Dr. Lewis Walker and myself, Tom Bryan. Lewis, hey. how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Tom. Good weekend. Yeah. You're telling me you were in London. I was in London. I was in London, uh, reunion with some with some uni friends who are not runners. Uh, but that was good. It was good. But I still managed to get a run in 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 London. I went down to the did a London Parks run. Uh, and do you know actually what was a real ref- reflection for me is they've just got it set up so well down there. You once you get into a big park, Hyde Park. Uh, I went down to I went down through Green Park into uh, down the Mile. The Mile was shut, so I ran down the Mile. Felt like I was running London. It was a nice little <laughs> pre motivator. Looped back past Horse Guards Parade. Then I came, which then I came back along Buckingham Palace and back up the same route. So. It was cool. It was good to get running in London, and it actually was a bit of a. I sort of had I did that thing. You and your, I was running down the mile. And I'm thinking, right, the next time I come down here, I'm I'm going to be coming down here, full of confidence. The clock's going to say something fantastic. I'm going to feel good. Like yeah. really, they're the, trying to do a bit of the visualization already. Yeah, well, it's, it's great, great rehearsal there. Uh, and was your weather okay? And you know, it was pretty crap here, but. Uh, it was uh, it was okay. It was it was pretty. I would say it was good, not great. Um, but anyway, I got out. That was the main thing. Uh, do you know what I also realised? I don't know if any London listeners are listening. The Southern Softies, you run around London and everyone's in full leggings. They all wear jackets and they're all wearing baseball caps. Yeah. I don't understand where this baseball cap, all these fancy CL baseball caps. This, and I say that knowing that Kyle is a runner who wears a baseball cap. He's not here to defend himself. I just don't get it. It's it's such a, I think it's such a bizarre running accessory for people to wear all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I should probably wear one for my bald head, but I don't. I don't normally wear one, although I, I do have a, you know, one of these kind of beanies that I, if it's really cold. Mm. But that, that's about it. I'm old school. <laughs> but I've always found in a world where people are desperate to shave grams off their racing shoes, and you, you know, and all this, and they're buying the cheap, the the best shoe, and everyone's looking at. Uh, I always remember a guy at a running club, Rename, who will remain unnamed, was telling me about how he'd got the lightest shorts you can get. He wears a baseball cap in a race. I'm thinking, mate. I mean, you yeah. you are you're you're focusing on the wrong area here. Did <laughs> you get a fitter? Anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Which so, how was your weekend? Much running? How is the any does the recovery continue? Yes, um, 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 yeah. So I don't want to bore everybody by it, but uh, it's inching its way a bit better. Uh, so it's it, uh, what I find quite fascinating is it's all biomechanical, um, because I can go out like I did on Saturday and do a bunch of sprints, you know, like six by fifty meter sprints, full out full gas and because I've been doing so much strength training I'm way faster than I've been for years uh, but I can do that and there's no problem and I can mm. do a bunch of like like faster 200s and as long as they're fast it's okay it's when it gets to just running steadily that I just it's it's a real problem I can still you know do that indoors on the treadmill and like today I did uh, 20 by a minute indoors with a minute um recovery so 20, 20 minutes 20 by a minute hard on a six degree treadmill and mm-hmm. if I'm, running, I'm running at that it's okay but you know the flat's just still a bit of a killer but it is it is all this pelvic lumbar pelvic control stuff so i've been doing lots of exercises uh, to to try and change a bit of the running gait um, which at my age is probably quite hard to do given I'm so old and it's ingrained. Um, 
but but it's it's, it's been quite fascinating though. Mm. Well, I'm glad. Uh, well, it sounds like slow slow progress. It is slow, no progress. It is, yeah, it is it is getting better. Um, so, but you know, but I, it takes months. And this is five months now. Um, oh. So that's. Um, but I'm probably aerobically pretty fit. Um, you know, in terms of the, the elliptical training as well, because I'm I'm doing. I mean, I run about well, run. I do aerobic work about 90 minutes a day. I'm doing a pile of strength work, uh, you know, three, four, five times a week, just different stuff from heavy weights to plyos to, you know, drills to these kind of some of these stupid drills that folk will see, you know, when you when you have a kind of dowel that you put above your head and you do some, um, you know, sprint sprint based drills. You know, which are which yeah. are actually great for posture. Have you come across a guy called Jonas Dodu at all? Do you heard of Jonas? I, I have not. Jonas Dodu. How do you spell Dodu? D O D O O. Right. He's a, he's, okay. he's a really good sprint coach. His company is called Speedworks. He used to work for UK Athletics a decade or so ago. Um, and he's uh, is it Reese Prescott? He's currently coaching. Oh, yeah. Um, and looking to get him to the Olympic final. But but he's, he's he's a guy who just makes people run faster, um, okay. you know, across all sports. So you know, field sports as well as track and field. So it, there's a lot of really really good stuff, and I've been listening to a lot of his material. I mean, I followed the guy for a while, but one of his sayings, and it's and it's an odd saying, and it's it's bum before back. <laughs> um, so okay. so and it sounds it sounds really odd. But basically what he's saying is that if you're if you're leaning forward and your back is ahead of your bum as you're running, then Mm -hmm. then that puts your pelvis into this anterior tilt. And it's really you you just can't get any power when you when you're sprinting Mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or try to run fast because you need to get your thigh up, you know, and leg shoot out and down very rapidly. Um, and if you if you don't have your bum before your back, then that can't happen. So so essentially, it's it's a way of of getting your pelvis tilted posteriorly rather than anteriorly, so tilted more towards the back. So you're a bit more upright, um, and you're you're running a bit taller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from a lumbopelvic point of view, there's just the forces go through your pelvis and your leg just a bit differently compared to kind of like old man runner me who generally runs with a bit of kind of knee sag. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite run the, you know, like I'm sitting down in a chair. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there is that, but, but that's the kind of thing that happens as you get older, you know, and you get, you, you try to do a lot of miles, is you tend to sag a bit. In, in mm. your pelvis, and if you think about kind of running just semi-seated, that position is a position where your pelvis is tilted really quite abnormally, and it puts the force, the ground forces, that repetitive ground contact. Um, you're having to deal with it in a very in a very different way, um, and the groin area has got a confluence of you know, many muscles, you know, you've got your lower abdominals, your inguinal canal, it's got your adductors, and it's got the front of thigh muscles. They all they all feed into common tendons. Um, it's called an aponeurosis, and that's just, just a, 
a kind of confluence area of all these tendons coming together in one. So, you know, you can do abdominal strengthening, you can do adductor strengthening, you can do glute strengthening, and do all sorts of stuff that will actually impact on you know, the biomechanics of your movement. So I've, I find it quite fascinating going into this. And it's actually been really helpful uh, looking at some of the athletes I coach as well, mm-hmm. um, just to see where they're at. So it's given me a new set of eyes on that, you know, in terms of a coaching eye. Um, so I think I think that's a useful piece of learning that I'm going to tuck into mm. my pocket and, uh, and, and use over the course of the next few months as I watch uh, watch my runners run and, and see that's how they sprint. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess, yeah, then the vi- so the visual aspect of following them will be so important for, um, yeah, let's dive into that at a future time. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, but, so listeners, this week we've got we've got a, a fair bit on. Kyle is sauntering off in, I don't know where he is, Disneyland or something at the moment? Yeah. He says he's got a race, but let's, I t- mean. Tallahassee. Tallahassee. So he's, he's either... I think he's doing his marathon this coming weekend, so he's currently around Epcot or something like that, but uh, in Florida. So he is racing this weekend. So it's Lewis and I this week, but we are not alone. We are um, really excited. We've got uh, Ginny Barand on this week, who is uh, not only a friend of the show, uh, someone we know a long time, but also uh, running some incredible times um, marathon at the moment. Really come on, so really a really interesting story there. Um, and then we've got a few things to catch up on that have been happening in the world of running. Uh, Lewis has got a paper we're going to touch on. So, um, yes, we've got a lot going on. But without further ado, we're going to bring Ginny in. She's, she's sat in our waiting room. So Ooh. here is uh, here is Ginny Barand. Hey. Hi, Hello. Hey, Ginny. Oh, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Good, how are you? Good, good. Well, well hey, al- although you're a long-term friend of the show, as Tom has introduced you, we've never actually formally met, although I, follow, I do follow you on, uh, on Strava. I was say, I follow you on Strava, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, That's the same uh, so as being friends in the running world, right? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you, you, you know, so I follow the kind of sessions that, that you post, and I know Mike... Johnson, your coach, uh, you know, reasonably well. So we we have a we've had a number of chats about marathon training. So it's really good to have you on the show and to um, see you face to face at last and uh, get get an opportunity just to dig a bit deeper into what makes Ginny Baran tick. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna tee this up. So Ginny's been is someone who uh, yeah is a, uh, a friend of ours for. A long time now, actually. But you're we met you through Metro Aberdeen. So you're you're Metro Aberdeen runner. You're a uh, former ladies captain. You're you know a huge part of the club, and you've been running for. I think you've been running a good club standard for a while. But you're now running at a, an exceptional standard. I mean, you're the the I think that's what listeners will really know you now is, you know, some of the performances you've seen at marathon, especially half ten k, are quite uh quite incredible. So. We're going to dive into those, and particularly that 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 run last year in Valencia, the two two thirty five. But let's bring it back. What tell us a bit about your your background in running? Because it's re- I think it's really interesting your sort of how you've come through over the last few years. Yeah, I mean it's badly thanks to you when you introduced new session in Metro that really helped me. But <clears throat> I guess um, I'm one of those who came to running quite late because I never was part of an athletic club growing up, so I never did you know, as a junior or young adult, really 
that much running. I only started when I started working when I was about 24. And the company I used to work for, they sponsored one of the Balmoral races. And so they were putting teams together. And I thought, oh, you know, it'll be fun. I sort of like running now and again. I'll do the 10K. Um, and I did the 10K. And then I was kind of hooked from there. I thought, right, I need to get better from here. You know, it needs to get faster. I don't want my colleagues to beat me next year. Um, and I kind of started running more regularly after that. And I think one of my colleagues at the time decided to try one of the metro sessions one Thursday night um, because the session takes place near where I used to work. So I went with her and I ended up joining the club and she didn't. Um, and I stayed mm. there. And from there, I just kind of run more often and train, you know, consistently every week. And yeah, just chipping away at it in the last 10 years, I suppose. And what I found fascinating with your, because actually one thing a lot of listeners may, won't know, if, uh, you've had you've had a lot of injuries over the years. You've really, I remember there was a couple of years when you had a really bad run of injuries. I know you've done a lot of, you've dabbled in the mountains. Um, we've seen you do various distances. You're, I think you're into district cross champion one year. I mean, so you run cross. Like, is that, and now, but I've always thought, I've always thought you are a roadrunner and, and, and a, you know, now a bloody good roadrunner. Is that, has that, have you, has that been intentional to kind of try new things and, and uh, is that something you still aim to do or, or, or maybe talk us a little bit about that and your breadth of running? Yeah, I think uh, starting running, I think you need to find what you prefer and there's so much you can try and do. And I think it's quite exciting when you start running that you've got all those options. Um, I think in particular in Scotland, you've got really strong kind of uh, hill races scene. Um, you obviously got cross country. And I think when you're part of a club, you naturally kind of do cross country when you just join because it's exciting. You oh, get to team spirit. Nice. Um so I kind of thought, oh, well, that's what song they put a burst to do in this race. I'll go and try it. Um, and I do still really enjoy running on trail. So I thought I'd try that too. Um, but I'm very, very bad at downhill. So that kind of <laughs> cut my uh, my heel career pretty short. Um, but yeah, I just enjoy running in general. And, you know, um, whether that's in the hills or cross country. But I find that on... I prefer the training for road races um, and I guess I'm naturally better at road running than I am at hill in particular or cross country. So I think it's a mix of what I prefer and what works best for me um, to go to road races. And I think in the future, I probably would try longer road races, um, potentially trail races. I've not got too much downhill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you can find any of them but yeah I think it's just like anybody you've got to try to see what works mm -hmm. for you and what you like yeah. um and in terms of injuries I think again is the same when you start running you don't necessarily know all the common mistakes you know you might make that gets you injured so it's certainly a bit of a learning curve and I think for me is finding out that intensity and fast running is what gets me injured over volume Mm. Um, and it's kind of finding that that recipe that works for me in terms of getting me fit without getting me injured and it takes it takes a while so it's certainly been training mistakes over the years and I think in particular as the first five years I was running I pretty much had a stress fracture every other years and that's mm -hmm. 
that running. So when you don't have that consistency, it's hard to really perform. Um, so yeah, been been a learning curve, but been less and less injured over the recent years. So starting to get, get yeah. it right. So, so you're clearly getting something right there, and and I think it's really quite important some of the things that you're saying there about finding out what works for you, um, mm-hmm. and this kind of volume intensity curve is is something that's in, that is quite unique to to each athlete. Do you do any cross training at all? No, uh, not really, unless I'm injured. Uh, if I'm injured, I would be uh, probably on the yeah. turbo trainer, but otherwise. I just probably, if I'm running, I find all my free time is probably doing running. Um, so I would probably be at least one run a day and then maybe a strength session as well. I'll try to do two strength sessions a week. So I wouldn't necessarily have the time. Yeah. Um, and, Mike, and Mike's very keen on, you know, female in, endurance runner strength training. And he likes to keep the strength training up um because I, you know he believes as i do that it's a key component to um you know to injury prevention uh, keeping keeping the bone health up um and you know things like the prevention of stress fractures so so that's great to hear and you know once you, i think one of the great things about being an endurance athlete is is that if you've got that kind of endurance physiology you can clearly as you've done you know, try your hand at a variety of, of types of running that will fit your physiology, but you've kind of honed that down in, into the road. What What is it you like about the road? Um, I think what I like about marathon specifically is the training. I just, I don't necessarily like the change of paces. I like running a long time at the same pace. Um, yeah. So... I know it probably sounds very boring to a lot of people, but I just find it quite relaxing. So um, for me, what got me to marathon specifically is probably that I really like the long runs and I like the long run at pace. So just because I like the training, it makes sense to do the races, I suppose. Um, So I'd say for road, it's just I kind of like that combination of hard effort, but that you keep going for a long time. Um, yeah, compared to other, I guess cross country, I did enjoy it when I did, but it's a lot more kind of change of paces and yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's quite interesting. So, when you're, you know, in terms of your race strategy, then do do you have the same race strategy as a training strategy? Do you do you tend to just start off at a predictable pace and try and just keep that going throughout the race, rather than kind of worrying whether you're at the front or in the middle or, or what's happening you just you just run at your own effort yeah I think it's slightly dependent on the length of the race I would say and that's maybe me just doing that I feel if you were racing like a 5k it might be easier uh, yeah. Yeah. to race it um but for a marathon I'm certainly not fit fit enough to have the luxury to race it from the front um in particular in big marathons so I think the marathon where I've PB'd in the past, I've all, I've all been marathon where I've run negative splits by a fair bit. Um, so I do tend to start at the pace I've trained at or a pace that I know will feel comfortable. And then usually in the last 10k, I do try to pick it up. Um, and usually, although I feel tired, my legs feel fine to pick it up. It's a bit of a weird one. But mm. yeah, the strategy would definitely <clears throat> to be 
comfortable and feel like you're going th- well, I'm going through halfway feeling okay and then pick it up if I can and that's certainly what's worked for me to run to run my PBs in the marathon and um, when I ran Berlin last September I kind of went a bit harder and I had stitches and everything went wrong but basically that that strategy didn't work for me whether it was a bad day or it's just not how I run so my best races have definitely been not n- not pushing from the start mm. um, and you know putting time in the bank so to speak and holding on I, it's just it's just not the way I run and it's not the way I run my sessions either I think when I, I like to do in my interval session is build up that intensity and build up that pace mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because I'm really stiff and I just need time to ease into things but um that's certainly what works best for me and uh, yeah and so you've preempted that was a question I was going to ask the you, you know do you like kind of like progressive runs in your training you know you start off at a particular pace that's comfortable and your longer run you get a bit faster towards the end you know maybe you do a 90 minute run you've got a 30 30 30 where you, you're just progressing it a bit is that the kind of strategy you use yeah I think it's a bit subconscious I don't necessarily aim to do my okay. reps or intervals or longer block that way but it often ends up being that way and I think part of it is me talking to myself at the beginning of a session saying okay there's no need to push it from the start let's ease into it let's let's make sure we complete the session and um, there's no point going too hard the first rep and then so I kind of make sure I ease into it anyway and then I just find then it becomes easier to pick up the pace, probably from pacing it a bit more conservatively at the beginning. So it's naturally how I tend to do it. We should we should bottle that strategy for several male uh, runners that I know who, who, who always do the reverse. And, uh, you know, whether it's, I don't know, whether it's a male thing or an ego thing, um, but I think... I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in doing a progressive run in the way that you're describing it and starting off quite comfortably and and just building into it. I think I think you get a lot more bang for your buck out of that, and particularly that, as you were saying, you're strong in the last 10 to 12K of a marathon, and that's, that's where it counts because um, mm-hmm. too many folk fall apart. So mm-hmm. what, what kind of mileage do you do then? You know, you know, if you were building up for a marathon, what what would your peak mileage be, and what would your kind of key sessions be? So I think in the lead up to Valencia last year, I think I averaged maybe I was a, a bit less actually before Valencia because it was a short build up between Berlin and Valencia. I think it was probably around sixty five miles the highest week, which is probably relatively low. Okay. Um, I think before Berlin, the average week was probably seventy miles with I think 80 miles being being the highest week. Mm. Um, so just because it was a longer build up and then I didn't like Berlin. So I wanted to do another marathon quite quickly after that. So I just had to respect the fact that I had to recover and then build up, which made it a little bit sh- shorter in volume and, and time. Um, and for the next build up, hopefully be above 70 miles every week with probably 80 85 miles being the the biggest week so right. still probably not that lot of volume compared yeah. to some people and do you find one thing that interests me because obviously i was uh, i mean berlin i was quite surprised in berlin i thought we were going to see actually what you end up running in valencia and I, it's interesting to hear now you talk a bit about the 
you know, maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe, you know, that these things happen. Uh, maybe it was the execution, who knows. But you then came back and absolutely smashed it at Valencia, um, 2.35. I would say, and anyone who does follow Jimmy on Strava, have a look at that because that's a, that's how to pace a marathon. It's 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 just textbook. Um, do you think that that sort of double, that the sort of, Ber- I mean, the Berlin prep didn't disappear. You know, that was, that was still in the tank. Do you... How, what do you take away, I guess, from that that experience of doing that big block, a bit of recovery, short block? Yeah, uh, I think it was a bit of a mix. I definitely trained well leading up to Berlin. I think I did make some mistakes on the day. Um, some of them, or I think it was a mix of probably wasn't my best day, but probably I didn't cause a lot of this. I think I had my breakfast too early, so I got to the start line and was hungry, which is not <laughs> where I want to be. Mm. Um, and then I started running probably a bit too fast like it didn't feel fast at the start but in hindsight it was still probably a bit too fast and then got stitches from I think my stomach being a bit empty which tends to be when I get stitches when I'm hungry so and so then that's then that messed up my breathing then a few hours after the marathon I had a cold so I think it was a mix of things but I certainly didn't help myself um, was the timing of my breakfast and my pacing. Um, I, I do think I've, I I've retained some of the fitness of the block f- from Berlin going into Valencia. So even though I didn't run as many miles or my prep was shorter, um, I think I still run a PP because of what I did from for Berlin. Um, so and in terms of key session, I think there's nothing crazy. Um, I think it's just you know you long runs with block of marathon pace. I think the difference what I did for Valencia, I think three weeks before Valencia, I ran a half marathon, kind of around marathon mm-hmm. pace, which I think was really nice. It was just a low key half in Fezzabra, which was really really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, lucky day for it. So it was nice to have a longer block around marathon pace that didn't feel was too tiring either. So hard I fought, but I felt I could recover in time for the marathon. Um, but yeah, it tends to be a kind of lactate slash half marathon pace session midweek and some sort of long run around 20 miles with some marathon pace is what I tend to do. Okay. okay. It's quite interesting because, you know, as, you, as you're speaking there really about, your, you know, you went to Berlin, didn't turn out so good, and then you know I don't, I can't, I can't remember what the time frame is between Berlin and Valencia. Is was it eight or ten weeks, something like that? Can't even remember, yeah. but yeah, yeah, September, September October. But, yeah. yeah, but I'm think, I'm thinking historically back in time, Fraser Klein. So Fra- Fraser, yeah, so Fraser ran Berlin Marathon way back, and he left, he left a bit of a, you know. Uh, not on the road, but in his in his head, I think, and he didn't run so well. And it, I think it was either eight or ten weeks later was the was the Sacramento Marathon. So, so oh, Fraser, yeah. he ran about he ran about two fifteen in Berlin, and then he just he had a couple of weeks break, and then he continued training, and and he did a lot of this, he, he did a lot of kind of well not a lot, but he did several races, but they were just part of training. So it it. Uh, he he went into Sacramento and ran to eleven fifty, and which was 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 a big breakthrough. Gina, am I um, right in saying you did something similar? Edim- the Edinburgh was a spring marathon before. So that was the year before. The year before, so you did a marathon in like what the which one was was it Manchester? 
Uh, I did Manchester, I think it was October 21. Then I did Edinburgh Marathon in May 22. And uh, then Valencia, okay. September 22. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I thought you'd done. I I didn't mind that you might have done a, a similar, but in the spring. Sorry, Lewis. Obviously not. Yeah, no. I, I I just think it's it's quite interesting because so another oldie from the past, you know, Mel Edwards. So so Mel, Mel ran a two eighteen marathon, but about five weeks before he did that, he ran something like a two twenty two, and wasn't really very happy with it, and so wanted to run another one. And there is there is something, and I think I think today's modern in inverted commas training. Uh, kind of tells us that in order to run really well over a marathon, you've got to be running close to marathon pace for, you know, anything between 30 to 38 kilometres, you know. So the top the top guys are now, you know, that's what they do. No, it's not week in, week out, but they've got probably two or three sessions where they're running 33, 35, 38k at, at pretty close to marathon pace. And I, and I think what we're describing here is, is a similar kind of, kind of mm. thing. You know, you've run a marathon. Okay, it's not turned out as well as you wanted. It has been a few percentage points of 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 what you want, and then you regroup. But you you've got that in your legs in, in a positive sense. Yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. So so I find that quite interesting. Yeah. What yeah, about? Sorry, Jenny. Go ahead. I was just going to say, chasing demons is a pretty good motivator for. for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One one thing that strikes me about your training these days is uh, I I used to think of you as someone who raced a lot actually. I was looking at your power ten earlier, and there's like if I look back, twenty uh, there was one you jumped out like, and we all did this. It was like 2016. You've got a lot of races, particularly a lot of 10ks in there. And now I don't. I think of you very much now as someone who is who races, you know, a handful of times a year. Really, a proper. I mean, I'm not concluding small fry you know a cross-country league race or a, or a park run is that intentional I mean I think when you're training for a marathon your training looks a lot different because you can't really afford to miss that many long runs and um, yeah. they're your key session so if I was to rest a 10k which would probably be on a Sunday I probably would miss my long run for mm. the week um so I think it's slightly different priority and yeah, I think again back then was just kind of being part of the club and finding out about my running and racing was fun. It's still fun, but I think it's just more calculated in terms of part of the bigger picture. I think what I like about marathons, they kind of force you to structure the rest of the year around them. Yeah. So I think before mm-hmm. I was maybe a bit more aimless with my racing, where I would see a 10k which was you know nearby and I knew people going to it and it sounded fun and I would do it and whether that was the best for getting the fastest time out of me I'm not sure well I think with a marathon you've got such a big focus once or twice a year that then you're kind of scaling everything back around that so that's why there's probably less racing just because the focus is so much more Mm. on the build-up and the training um, and how it fits around the marathon Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I was interested in something that you said earlier, you know, about sessions, how before you start your session, you are speaking to yourself in your head. You're saying, hey, Jeannie, you really want to ease into this, you know, just take it easy. And, you know, so it's, you know, I'm really interested in people's kind of self-talk strategies, imagery strategies, how they manage their, their state 
you know, whether it's during training or, or particularly racing. So t- t- tell us about how, how you talk to yourself, because you clearly you talk to yourself in your head a bit. What, what kind of things do you do you say to yourself? I think it depends if it's training or racing. Uh, I think I'm a bit kinder to myself in training. Um, so <laughs> I'll probably... I think it's just a way of taking the pressure off a little bit for a big session in terms of he's into it. It doesn't have to be race space. It just has to be close enough. And you know what it's like training in, in Scotland at this time of year, you know, there's either wind or rain or snow. So I think, it, or you know, it's never completely flat. Um, so I think it's also taking a bit, a bit that into account. But yeah, I just probably always tell myself to ease into it because I know that I'm going to get faster through the session. So I don't want to put myself, you know, under pressure from the start. Um, and then I probably, if I feel it's kind of a bit harder than I want it to be, I'll probably try to visualize myself racing because it's always easier racing. Yeah. So I'll tell myself if I have 2K to go, I'll tell myself, I mean, 40K into the marathon huh. and I've got 2K nice. closing because it doesn't seem that so, like so much anymore. You know, when you're at 40k into a marathon, you're pretty much finished. Um, well, I, I know unless it's not going that well, then it seems like quite long. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, you're ready to put in that effort. So probably in training, I kind of visualise where I would be in a race in that interval to have that same motivation of closing. Uh, you know, yeah. closing. Um, I think in racing, and that's a learning from my hill racing days where I had to walk up hills from racing too hard and finishing the race and absolutely hating myself for having had to walk. So now I know that I probably would be mortgaged with myself at the end of a race for not trying hard enough um, and backing off than I am, that uh, than I would be for trying hard and failing short, if that makes sense. Uh, so, okay. I think so that's quite interesting. So I like I like that strategy. I mean, you've got a good combination of self-talk and visual imagery, and you're building up something that, that really helps pull you through a session. You're encouraging yourself with your self-talk, and you're also motivating yourself with, with that visual imagery. I'm keen to find out, you know, marathons, gen, you know, they run at a hard pace, generally. You know, it, it, the longer the race goes on, no matter how, how comfortably you've started it, there, there comes a time, you know, around about 30k, when the writing's on the wall and you've got to dig deep. What, when you're digging deep, you know, when you know that you've got to dig deep, what's in your head at that point? How do you get yourself through those times when you know there's not long to go and you're racing really quite well, or, or maybe it is a bit hard, but what, what is it you're doing inside your head to keep you going? Yeah, do you know what? I think it's so much harder when you're having a bad race, really, because that's when you know you're not on time for a BB, mm-hmm. you know you're finishing, but you're not going to run well. I think that's when it's harder and when you really have to pull through with your mental game. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking Berlin was such a harder race than Valencia was. I think when you're on running a PB, it just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Berlin, I just thought, I just thought dropping out wasn't an option. I just couldn't do it. Um, I, I knew in a way it was better because if it's not going well, you may as well drop out. You recover quicker. You can line up for a race, you know, quicker after that. But I, I never, if I can help it, never want to drop out because I don't want to be in a place where I've dropped out of a run before or a race 
and then you know it's an option so I think mm-hmm. it's more for Berlin it was more I've put so much work into it you know I'm here to run a marathon I never want to come back so I have to finish this time <laughs> I have to come back and it's never just your own effort training you know you've had your friends and your close friends you know um and your relatives and everyone boyfriend partner supporting you so in a way it becomes where you're not just doing that for yourself you know yeah. you're doing that because you've said I'm not going out tonight I need nine hours of sleep and all these things so I think for when the races goes badly it's more you know I do want to make myself proud by finishing but I also want to kind of show up for the people around me and show how much it means to me that they're supporting me so I'm not going to drop Um, for Valencia when you're on time for a PB I think it's just so much easier um, Mm -hmm. because you know you're running well and what keeps me going is the thought of people tracking me on the apps so every Hmm. time I I go through Matt, I think about them. I think it's going to come up on the phone. I think they're going to be like, oh, Ginny's doing well. She's going to be so chuffed. And also then like gets me, keeps me going in between mats because I've gone through a mat. People know I'm doing well. I need to get to the other mats because they know I'm still surviving out there. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes the other thing I do is I convert into time. So if I know I'm... 38k into a marathon 36 I'm like well it's not that long left of running you know it's what 20 minutes is that much what's 20 minutes is mm. it's, it's a park run on a good day um so I kind of sometimes convert into time so if I've got 2k left I'm like well the first I'm going it's less than eight minutes I can run eight minutes I know I can run eight minutes so mm. I think it's a combination of thinking about how I'm going to feel once it's finished um how you know my close friends are going to feel once I'm finished as well so yeah so you're given you're given a great description there of two kinds of motivation that kind of intrinsic motivation for you about you finishing but also you've you've got an extrinsic motivation which is the outside motivation for other people that you want to do well for your team and I think that's what you're describing there's a really nice combination and I think you're describing two other things that I think is really important to tease out here one is that that when you know self-talk strategies and visual imagery are particularly required when you're going through a bad patch and and you're not running so good Uh, and and I think that that practicing that and when you're at the other side of it looking back you know you got through it you had a tough race you can you can use that as a well I know I know things were really hard but I still finished and and that you use that as a as a motivator for your next race so that's number one number two is you're saying the other thing that happens is is a flow state when you're running really well you're not actually thinking much you know, there's not a lot going through your head. There's not a lot you're picturing. You're not really having to say anything. And that's the epitome of, of this flow state. And you're describing that really, really well. And I think I think that's that's a kind of nice juxtaposition of of the kind of of things that can happen in, in, in racing from a psychological point of view. So so that's that's great for you to be able to say that. I think to be honest, when I'm racing a marathon and it's going well I'm just thinking about my next gel you know 5k yeah. next <laughs> gel 5k next gel next water I think it's just yeah it's just 5k at a time really yeah but I think so, it's, so we discussed last, last time sorry last time we were discussing process goals 
And that's exactly what you've put out there as your process goal uh, every 5K. Sorry, Tom, on you go. No, no, I was going to say, for, I think the key thing for me, for the, the, the listeners who are listening in, who've got a spring marathon coming up and we talked a lot about goals last week, talk about this. I think the key here is you get you prepare well, but you also prepare well on the start line in the sense you know you've got a plan how you're going to execute you you understand what feeling you're shooting for in terms of the pace that and yeah i think we have so we hear so many and you know we've all done it ourselves you go you either don't prepare well and you go into an into marathon maybe don't adjust for it or even if you prepare well and you on the day don't plan well and if it, and and all these things are blockers to getting to that experience that you described which i think is this the dream like you know it's um, you can see the smile on Jimmy's face when she starts talking through it it's all coming it's obviously flooding back um i said we don't want to keep you too long so we're going to keep we'll maybe move on and actually talk a bit about moving forward you teased out an exclusive earlier on that i was uh made me chuckle and especially since kyle's not here is uh maybe running longer on the roads so what what do the next what are your kind of ambitions what do the next sort of few years look like do you think uh hopefully for you in terms of running and racing yeah, I mean, so I am currently on the Scottish uh, Marathon project, um, which nice. was initially set up, I believe, to develop um, runners to Commonwealth Games standard. Obviously, we all know that there's not really a location at the moment for the next Commonwealth Games. So prior to that, my aim would have been to aim for the qualifying times uh, when the window opened, which would have been end of this year. Um, so that would still be the case, pending there's actually a next Commonwealth Games happening. Um, so that would have been the goal for 26, because as it stands, I, with my last test time, I would have been inside the qualifying standard from Birmingham, which is ah, nice. a different thing from being picked. Um, but, you know, running running the time is yeah, an achievement itself. First step. Um, so, so that would have been my main aim. Um, I'm definitely not ready for things like 100k or 100 miles. <laughs> not not for me at the moment, but maybe trying 50k would have been nice. I don't feel it would be too dissimilar for training for a marathon. And maybe I'm naive thinking this, um, or, or racing a marathon. But um, I think it would be nice nice thing to try. I have done a couple of ultras in the past just for a bit of fun and. I found them quite enjoyable, so it'd be nice to to try something like 50k, um, in the in the future. That's cool, and that's I'm sort of slightly laughing. I remember a few years ago, um, when Mike started mentioning talking about 50k to fumes. It was, yeah, <laughs> that's just uh, not really? so far. <laughs> but that's uh, I'm, but you know, it's funny because I obviously haven't seen what you you've run ultra long, you ultra on the trail and. Uh, and again, you're my, you're, sense of your mentality. I think you'd be, I think for what it's worth, I think you'd be very well suited to it. I think you could do some very cool things. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think your strategy uh, of of how you're training and how you pace your training and how you pace your racing, I think, I think that's a great strategy to bring into into an ultra. And you know, what's what's really frustrating. I hadn't, I hadn't caught on to that about the fact that there's obviously. Commonwealth Games not happening. I mean, we talked about some. We talked about on here. We, as runners, all talk about fans. We all talk about. I didn't quite that. I never quite appreciate that side of it. It does take away that sort of opportunity. But what about? I mean, I guess you say you're running those sort of times anyway. You're only going to get quicker. I think there's the positive will be there must be 
you know, you look at, and actually I've got one thing that uh, we need to get sorted out is when I go into Power 10 and I stand that I want to see 2023 rankings for marathon for girls in 2023, you're not on there. So you need to get that sorted out. So, Some UK athletics uh, needs to sort that out. There's a technical detail on Power 10 that you, they can't deal with the fact that you can't ask Scottish but not British. So I used to be on Power of 10 and I used to be on the rankings until I ran uh, 237 in Valencia in 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because from that, I appeared on the British rankings. But then mm-hmm. they realized I wasn't British, although I do. I am Scottish. Um, so so they had to take me all, away altogether of those rankings, although technically I am in the Scottish rankings, but yeah, I'm not British, which is why I'm not on a ranking in Power FM. So I'm going to ask you which... a question, a slightly as an interview question, also as a, as a curious friend. Now where you are now, right, you would be, do you have any idea whether, I mean, could you qualify, I mean, the French, I'm not sure, I would be surprised if the French have got many quicker uh, marathoners than you. We're getting into far, far like questions territory here, but is that is that? Uh, I mean, I get it's, you obviously. I know I know you and you're you're Scottish right through now, but has that ever crossed your mind in recent years? Um, so a few like quite a few girls have run the Olympic qualifying time in Valencia just this past December, so they uh, definitely okay. covered difference. Okay. But if I'd ever run for France, I, I lose my eligibility for Scotland. So okay, yeah, so yeah. obviously not. Obviously not. But I'm in the process of applying for a British passport just so I can be in the poor of 10 rankings. Just for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we will let you go shortly, but we cannot let you go without some uh, some fartly questions. So I'll I'll kick off. Um, favorite shoe? Endorphin uh, speed. Endorphin speed. Oh, fantastic answer! Fantastic answer. Have you run? Have you run the endorphin speed four yet? No, just a three. Because okay, it's super. Nice. I mean, I know. I just wondered if you had the three as a classic. That's a very good, good answer. Okay. Lewis? What's your favourite pre-race food? What do you like eating? Uh, porridge with honey. Hmm. Okay. And, and is that on race day? Yep. Yeah. And almond butter as well, just so that um, I don't digest it too quick and I don't do a Berlin again. <laughs> and what is your post-race celebratory food then? Pizza. Nice. Nice. Do you watch TV? Have you got TV programs that you watch or are you, you know, pretty regimented in terms of training, get to bed, sleep? No, I like to, I like to watch TV. <laughs> I like so to watch TV. I like to watch YouTube videos of runners to get more motivation. Okay. Um, this is a, a this is a custom question for you, Ginny. The Karen Gorms or the Alps? Oh, that's hard. Because actually, the Karen Gorms are pretty rough to run on, to be honest. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, I, that's a no-brainer. It's the Alps, surely. Ah, uh, it's tricky. I do like the Karen Gorms. To be fair, technically, it's in the Karen Gorms. I I ever ran my first marathon distance uh, with a large group. Um, I mean, running is pretty pretty loose term yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i can't can't answer that it's too difficult okay lewis um i'm just a bit out of it other than are you left or right-handed uh right-handed yeah right-handed okay well i've, I've got a couple more that we're going to definitely batter then favorite session 
Um, probably a long run um, with three by four miles at marathon pace. Nice, nice. Uh, the one that I am going to finish with then. So you've got, which is one of my favorite uh, fucking questions. You've only got one more race you can run. You can run any race. It can be a race you've already done. It could be a race, an ambition that you've always wanted to run this race. But you can only run one more race. You can, it, you can train for it. You'll be in good shape for it, all that. What would that one race be? Can you you can you run it over and over again? Ooh, we've never had that clarification. Uh, yeah, go on. You can run it over. You can run it as many times, but only Grand, that race. Groundhog Day. It's your Groundhog <laughs> Race. I mean, it has race. to be Valencia. It's never been a bad day, so <laughs> it's always nice. been sunny. It's always been a PB. Um, I mean, yeah, has to nice. be. Very nice. Good answer. Fantastic. Right. Well, Ginny, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so good to catch up. I think the listeners. Uh, if you don't follow Ginny on, on Strava or other uh, social media channels, you should do lots of interesting stuff there. We need to get on another point because we haven't even touched on things like physio, your sort of fledgling coaching career. Ginny is very well read. So, uh, yeah, it'd be very cool to get you back on. Um, but in the meantime, one thing I didn't ask you because I kind of I think I know this already, but next race, what is your next race? Uh, Inverness Half Marathon. And then Inverness, nice. Benegan Marathon in May. Nice, that's the one I had in mind. So, well, good luck for Inverness. Is that Scottish champs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, good luck for that. Fingers crossed. I think that's uh, definitely a, uh, something in your palmaries that's 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 missing. You need to correct. So, good luck there. Good luck in Copenhagen. We'll uh, yeah. we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks for having Bye. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Excellent. That was great. Really cool to get Ginny on. So um, I think uh, we're just saying to the end, I think that's lots of lots of advice listeners should be following, Lewis. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. Um, and as I was saying, I think, I think Ginny just exemplifies in a natural way some of the good kind of psychology of running, you know, in terms of that visualization strategy or self-talk, both when sessions are, are going well, but and also when she's in a bit of difficulty. And also that thing around being in a flow state, you know, because mm-hmm. it's really it is really interesting. You you only you only really start talking to yourself big time when you're in a problem, you know, or you're in a yeah. what, what, what the Americans call a clutch situation. A you know, clutch, where, I love it. Where yeah, clutch where where, where things are, are kinda you're on the line and you gotta go for something and you gotta kinda motivate yourself and whatever. But but the other aspect is is when you get into a flow state, and when you're in a flow state, there's probably nothing much happening inside your head. You're not having to self-regulate at all because because you're feeling okay and mm-hmm. you're just going along quite nicely. And um, and that that's you know some of that is around things like an open goal. And by open goal, I don't I don't mean like an open goal in football where <laughs> you score, but open goals are goals where where you're saying, I'm just going to, you know, do my best. I'm going to just run and see how I get on. 
when people go into into races with that kind of mentality, um, then they're much more likely to get into flow state and uh, uh, rather than kind of being anxious and worried about the competition or the time or what's the weather like and you know well will I make my pace or no should I go as hard as I'm thinking or should I temper it a bit you, you, you know you go out you say I don't know what's going to happen today I'm going to go out and give it my best uh, we'll see how it goes mm-hmm. and and that's more of an open goal and and as long as you don't go off too hard you, you know I think I think it's I think it's much better to go off just a bit easier than you were you were uh, expecting, particularly in a long race like a marathon. And you can make it up. Um, it is it is a challenge, negative splitting in in the second half of a race. But hey, the American females in the the American Olympic trial they all you know first three I think negative split uh, at, at, at the weekend there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is it is very possible. Uh, and it's it's a good place to be. Yep. So from one um, well, from one Scottish athlete to another, there's a couple of things we're going to finish up. We wrap up. Um, I think we'll maybe time wise we're going to hold. We're going to maybe catch up in a couple of weeks time about um, Lewis's paper. But there's been really or the paper we'll be talking about. There's two interesting uh, athletes I see Scottish athletes I see were in action over the weekend. Quick into get your take on so jake whiteman is back yeah. in racing action which is cool uh he was racing um in boston indoors over 1500 meters he ran 334.06 which is a new indoor pb i noticed um i don't know how often he runs indoors what did, what did you make of that well the last time he ran indoors was last year the, the year ago um okay and I think I mean, if you look at the Let's Run running site, they'll, they'll basically tell you his history that he's he's uh, he's run in the New Balance Grand Prix many times and never won. He's <laughs> uh-huh. always been second or something. He's second again and, this time, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's second to Hobbs Kessler, who who thinks that he's he, he thinks he's he's in three thirty one shape. Um, I I think you know for a guy who's not raced in a year other than I think he did a park run a couple of months back. Uh, over 5k I think to come out and run 334 is pretty good and he's heading off to Australia where he's going to run two or three more races to get the Olympic qualifying time under his belt uh, which which I'm pretty sure he will so I, I you know he'd be disappointed not to have won but you know he closed yeah he, he actually let Hobbs Kessler get a bit too far ahead before the last lap he closed on him he ran a, he ran a faster last lap but he ran about 26 point odds for 26 low for his last 200. So it, it, you know he's he's clearly got a good good kick there. Um, so all he needs is two or three more races. So he's probably in good shape, good training shape, and he's just not race sharp at the moment. But hey, to be not race sharp and come out and run 3:34 first time out is uh, is pretty good. So I, my money is on him to. Uh, to run really well down under and, and come up with a qualifying time. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he's one we're very much... And I, I've seen the uh, World Athletics actually are starting to make a bit of a, a show of this of the a rivalry on paper anyway about, you know, the whole smart, hopefully showdown this summer of Whiteman, uh, Kerr and um, Ingebrigtsen, which is... Yeah. That's what the sport needs, is I think, is that sort of promotion. So it's great to see Jake back on the... Uh, on the women's side, but I guess eight, but slightly shorter, 800 in Mets in France. Jemmy Ricci was was also running. Yeah. Someone who you talked, um, you were very impressed with last year. 
Yeah, so Gemma's back, you know, she's de de definitely back. And to be, be under two minutes in Mets is is uh, pretty decent. The last couple of years, she was well out of running even close to two minutes. Um, you know, indoors, I mean, she, she was doing it outdoors last year, but uh, in, indoors, not so good. But uh, it's good to see her coming back. I think that she's a nice lass, got a good racing brain. And and I think um, your coaching relationship is clearly going very well. So uh, let's uh, hope that for the world indoors, which has got, got to run the UK Championships in a couple of weeks' time, um, get picked for the world indoors and see what happens there in Glasgow. Well, I'm trying to look at trying to find some dates on that. So that's first Friday. So the world indoors Friday the first of March till Sunday the third of March. So only a month away. When is the British Trials? Is that that must be this weekend? British Championships are the 16th and 17th. Okay, so two weeks away. Wow, so it's uh, so all... two, two weeks away. Yeah. And where is two, the Where is the British Championships? Um, are they in Birmingham? Oh, are okay. they Birmingham or not? I can't remember. There was an issue about Birmingham, wasn't there? And whether oh, they that's could. Right. Yeah, because it was going to go elsewhere now. It's completely gone from my head. And are you I going to either? British no, champs or world I, champs? I, I do. I, I will have. I will have. Well, I, the world champs would have been good to go to, um, but all the tickets were sold out in about the first forty-eight hours. Oh wow! Uh, they came out months ago, uh, and I did. I did go online to try and get tickets, and the only tickets that were left were were stuff that I really didn't want to go and see. Huh. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I will have somebody running in the UK indoor championships, but I won't personally be down uh, okay. that, that weekend. I, I think probably need to mention Sam Kinghorn. I don't know whether yes. you, you've seen the, the recent news about her, just hot off the press. A 1,500-metre world record of 307. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's uh, that's like being on a bike, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, it's just clearly pretty aerodynamic and very fit right right now to wow. you know to be pushing pushing out a three o seven. So kudos to her. And the other one I I, I noticed was uh, Alice Goodall's been picked for the British Universities cross country team for the World University Championships. Oh, very good. Um, so uh, she, she'll be heading off to that, and is that in a couple of weeks' time, I think? Um, so that's uh, that's uh, really good on the back of her Valencia 10K performance of 32 weights. So she's clearly uh, back in good shape and uh, got a platform to perform on. Mm, that is good. That is good. Um, last thing we'll just talk about, just to, always eager to get your opinion on things. Over the pond, it was the U.S. Olympic marathon trial, an event which I'm, I think it's kind of bizarre that, that that an event like that would catch my attention. But that's always something in the build up of the Olympics I'm keen to to tune into. Um, and I mean, result wise, for what it's worth for listeners, it was um, Connor Mance two oh, two nine oh five, Clayton Young two nine oh six. I mean, they were hand in hand, and they actually had a conversation about. Uh, who was going to take the win and who was going to go and you know at that stage they're both they both got the time they're both already they're they're they're, they're literally just booking their seat on the plane then Leonard Courier 209.57 uh, I think he doesn't have the standard yet um, but he's well but he could get it depends on on what the world ranking uh, entries are going to be come May and okay. the US may if if 
if things go to plan, uh, he he will he will get that third place. But Leonard Carrier, he's he's he's, uh, he's quite an old guy, and uh, he came through really strongly. He was he was fifth with about three miles to go, and uh, he stormed through the last three miles to 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 get that third place. Um, so that was a, a good performance round. There was a lot of hype um, before this about the choice of venue for the marathon, the heat, and you know what that was going to do. But it seems that both in the men's and the women's race. So I, th- I think the women's race was actually uh, even better in many respects. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fiona O'Keefe, she she uh, was a first time. This is her first time debut marathon, 222, um, and uh, she beat Emily Sissons, who's the um, the American record holder. And you know, I think Sissons just needed to get in into that top three. He was running cautiously, shall we say, um, and knew she didn't have to have to go eyeballs in. She's a class run. act, Emily Sisson. But, yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. So. So she's finished with maybe a bit in the tank, but again, both you know, both women. I think maybe the third one um, is it Dakota Lind Lind uh, Lindorm, Lind- Lindworm, Lindworm. Yeah, again, uh, uh, a relative unknown who who came through in the third place, and I think if I'm not mistaken, all three of them negative splitted uh, that 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 race. So to run run two twenty two in a negative split. Is um, yeah, that, 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 that's Fun pretty good. Well. And and I know it's faster than kind of Jeannie, you know, was was speaking about earlier in terms of her own performances. But strategy is very similar, you know. Yeah. Get 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 out there, big, be steady, and just incrementally, um, you know, in the second part of the race, mm-hmm. you, you know, see what you can do. So yeah, so some great performances. You know, there's been a lot of chat this weekend about on some social media people, you know, and I think even was it, it was either the might have been the Times or someone. There was an article that was shared about uh, British athletics looks on or British athletics fans look on end with envy at the U.S. trial. And actually, I think there's, I'm a big believer that the trial itself, you know, people get you mentioned there about the timing and the location, all that. But just the the fact they have a trial with a 218. There's when you look at the results, right? There, were, most of the field went there with no intention of qualification or no ambition to qualify. But it's it's a it's a it's almost like a, a lap of honour. And I think that the, it's such a big deal in the US to make the Olympic trial because it's a exclusive yeah. race that you have to qualify for. I just think there must be an element of driving up the standard for that. That you probably end up with a bigger group of athletes who are running 218. Because okay, the US is a far bigger country than ours, no doubt about it. But because you've got that, it becomes a it becomes an ambition in itself. And I, one of my worries now, when you see with the 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 with so many, well, I mean, let's be let's let's address the elephant in the room. I mean, I think I've, I've you know so many doping stories are continuing to coming up. Whether or not they are contributing to that that ever increasing uh, marathon time, because shoes are affecting it. But then our athletes have access to shoes. The problem is though, you've got to run two, under two under two or nine now to qualify for an Olympics. Is what incentive is there for someone who's running two sub two twenty two eighteen to really push on? You know what I mean. In Britain, I feel like we don't have that that sort of promising sub elite group. I just don't think they're properly well served. And it's no, if I'm honest, it's no surprise to me that you see people then, you know, I don't know, not not necessarily drop off, but there's lots of lots of runners in that window that for me 
have never really, I don't know, they've never really kicked on. They just, I, just, I, I would love to hear from some of them who are running, you're running two, for two, let's say 218 in the UK. What does that, what does that really offer you for as a career as an athlete? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. It, Nothing. it doesn't offer you anything as a career. You know, you're, you, you, you can't make, you can't make a living out of that. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, and you so anyway, I, I just think I don't know. I would, I remember, I would love London is, is probably a bit late, that's the problem. But I would love to, I, I would, I remember they had that was it during COVID did that Olympic trial at Kew Gardens? Yeah. I thought that was class. I remember, I think Steph Davis had a fantastic run. I really, I watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I hear the Kew Garden was a shocker, of course. I think the, the, anyway, I, but I think the concept works. You made a good point before about TV money and rights and, and costs. I guess it all comes back to that. So I think well I think there's some issues about that and but I think so in America they've got the kind of like first three past the post uh, get get picked and I think the 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 American system has been like that for donkey's years because they can't really select people you can't they can't do a kind of um, like we do first first discretionary. Two, discretionary pick because it leaves them open to all sorts of um kind of caveats and people complaining etc etc so i think it's always been pretty cutthroat in the kind of track trials which are first three and if you've got the 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 standard uh, the olympic or world standard then you're on the team you know we're and, and we're going to send you um and that that extends to, to the marathon as well so i, I mean it is it is quite interesting you know you have a marathon in in you know the, the trials for the worlds and the olympics in america for the marathon rose at the end of january or right right at the beginning of february and it is a an odd time to have a marathon in some respects um but it, it's held at that time in order for folk to be able to run again in kind of july or august um or august or, or early september when when the big championships are on but there, there are times when you know, it's a different kind of competition. It's not. It's not like a city marathon. It's not like a um, a spring or an autumn marathon where conditions are good. I mean, generally, Olympics and World Championships are now held um, in climates that are not brilliant for um, for long distance running. And and not. But I, I think it actually makes it more competitive, and it makes it more likely that somebody will come out of the woodwork and win because. You've got to then get your your nutrition strategy, your heat acclimation strategy, mm. you know, your hydration strategy, your pacing strategy. All, all of those need to be much better when you're running a marathon in the heat, uh, the relative heat compared to spring, spring or autumn. Um, and, you know, so there, there are pros and cons about why the Americans do it in January. But it, it means there's no big city marathon for them uh, in, in April. Uh, where, where a number of big city marathons go on, but uh, and that's where the big earners are. Mm. Yeah, and it, I mean again, I, I suppose it's a slight hack by the years when they put it as part of London. I know this year it's not. There is no trial. It's just it's, it's just times and pick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Anyway, I, I for one enjoy watching trial races, so I would be love to see it. But I understand that the good reasons not for it. Um, 
And in any case, it was it helped me. It motivated me slightly as well for the marathon on the horizon to watch that. <laughs> so that did, served its purpose. So what's what's on for you the next couple of weeks then, Lewis? Next couple of weeks, well, I've got four foot racing in Armagh on Thursday. Of course, it's Armagh this week. That's so Armagh's on a Thursday. I've got two female runners in the Scottish team. Uh, Ross Cairns is going to be one of the the managers. He's cutting his teeth managing uh, teams, so he's he'll, he'll cool. be head, heading out with the girls. Um, I've got a couple of folk going to um, there's the, the kind of like a podium 5k, fast 5k in London and Battersea um, a week on Friday, and that's just before the UK Indoor Championships. And I've got somebody going to the indoor or the UK Indoor. So and then there's the Bucks, the British Universities Indoor Championships the week after that, and of course the um, Scottish Cross Country. Blame me, that's yeah. uh, a busy few weeks. So, so I my well, entry went in. I I emailed our men's captain on the weekend. I'm I'm now down for the Scottish National Cross end of the month. So that's uh what are we three weeks away. So that's my uh, that's yeah. that's the next thing for me. So yeah, not not much not much on the next couple of weeks here. But uh, Kyle is uh, is racing this weekend. So listeners, I don't think there is a feed. Sadly, I don't think there's a tracking. Even more sad. But uh, yeah, if you keep a uh, keep an eye on a couple of weeks time, he'll be back uh, um, with stories of hopefully stories of joy and success. Well, from he'll the... be back with a story. He'll be back <laughs> with a story, story. You know that much. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, so Kyle. If you're listening, good luck. Uh, I hope you're you're sitting and resting and not. Walking around Disneyland the day before the marathon. Uh, well, looking forward Ke- to hearing about Kyle it. Kyle and Debbie, because Debbie's racing it as well. But Debbie's a sensible girl. I've got no. Let's be quite honest. We we don't have concerns about Debbie executing yeah. a marathon. That's the difference. <laughs> I guess Kyle. Right. Well, listeners, uh, have a good couple of weeks, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, with news of uh, with news of Kyle's marathon and many more things. But in the meantime, yeah. here is Ali McIver. Thank you.
and that's a wrap.